Well, folks, it looks like things are changing over in Alabama, thanks to the Supreme Court. In a surprising move, the court recently ordered Alabama to redraw their voting maps to accommodate an additional black-majority district, given that the state is 27% black. This decision came as a bit of a shocker considering the current conservative majority on the court. Now, you might be wondering why this is such a big deal. Well, simply put, it's an impactful move towards fairer representation in the political sphere. For too long, minorities have faced barriers and biases in the voting process, despite the Voting Rights Act being in place for decades. This order shows that the Supreme Court is taking a step in the right direction when it comes to leveling the playing field and ensuring that everyone's voice is heard. Some might see this as an unexpected turn of events, given that Chief Justice John Roberts authored the majority opinion in this case. But Roberts is no stranger to controversies surrounding the Voting Rights Act, having effectively gutted a separate section of the act about a decade ago. So is this a redemption narrative or simply another twist in an ongoing struggle? Of course, not everyone is jumping for joy over this decision. Conservative Justice Samuel Alito and Justice Neil Gorsuch penned quite the fiery dissent, warning the majority's opinion puts the Voting Rights Act on a perilous and unfortunate path. But let's be real here, since when has the fight for fairness and equality been without its bumps and bruises? While the situation in Alabama is far from resolved, it's encouraging to see the Supreme Court stepping up and challenging the status quo on this issue. As uncomfortable as these conversations may be, they're essential to ensuring that our democracy includes everyone, not just the select few who've historically held power. All right, my brainwaves brigade, it's time to dive into your listener questions and dish out some no-nonsense advice. And don't forget, if you've got a question burning a hole in your brain, trot on over to brainwavespod.com and submit it for a chance to be featured on the show. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised, and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey, Brainwaves. My name is Erica, and I'm calling from Austin, Texas. I'm hoping you can help me out with a work dilemma involving LGBTQ plus representation in my office. So here's the deal. I work in a pretty traditional corporate environment, but lately it's been making a push toward increasing diversity and inclusion. As a queer woman, I think it's awesome and I want to help out, but I'm struggling to figure out the best way to do it without jeopardizing my career or you know, making everything about my sexual orientation. I'm out to a few close colleagues, but not to everyone. I want to promote LGBTQ plus representation in my workplace and help get those conversations started. But I'm worried about being taken less seriously or seen as solely an advocate when I'm actually here to, like, you know, do my job. Any advice on advocating for LGBT rights and representation without putting too big of a target on my back would be really appreciated. Thanks, Brainwaves. Hey, Erica. Thanks for calling in. I feel the Austin heat in your question, and I'm ready to serve up some of that straight-talk barbecue that'll get your mind cooking. 
First off, kudos to you for wanting to champion diversity and inclusion in your workplace. It's important, and I understand navigating the balance between advocacy and maintaining a professional image can be tricky, so let's untangle this together. As a starting point, do you know if your company has any employee resource groups, ERGs? These groups often exist to support specific underrepresented communities, and they may already have resources, events, or initiatives advocating for LGBTQ plus rights and representation. Connecting with relevant ERGs can be a great way to contribute to the cause on company time without diluting your professional brand. Next, ask yourself why you want to take on this role. Is it about creating a more inclusive environment that benefits everyone? Or is it about personal recognition? Approaching advocacy from a place of genuine care and believing in the cause is key if you want to avoid any labels that may be thrown your way. Since you mentioned being concerned about becoming the LGBTQ advocate in your office, consider forming or joining a coalition. By bringing together co-workers who share your passion for diversity and inclusion, you'll be part of a team that works towards a common goal. And trust me, there's power in numbers. Remember that advocating for LGBTQ rights in the workplace isn't a one-person mission. Seek allies among your peers and management who support your cause. A little sprinkle of diversity champions across the office will make a world of difference. When presenting your ideas and initiatives, frame them in a way that highlights the benefits for the company as a whole. This can be anything from fostering a more creative and innovative atmosphere to attracting and retaining top talent or even improving the corporate image and brand. By tying in tangible, measurable benefits, you're more likely to garner support and respect. Lastly, don't forget about the importance of boundaries. You can be both a passionate advocate and a kick-ass professional, but remember that you have the right to protect your own identity and privacy at work. Share what you're comfortable with, and don't be afraid to draw a line if you need to. In short, Erica, find existing resources or create a team, keep your intentions genuine, enlist allies around you, emphasize the benefits for everyone, and most importantly, protect your own well-being. Follow this recipe, serve it up with a dash of persistence and a heaping spoonful of empathy, and you'll be on your way to helping create an inclusive workplace that respects everyone, including awesome, hardworking people like you. Hey Brainwaves, this is Sam from Denver. So, I've been grappling with this kind of nasty experience for quite some time, and was hoping you could drop some of your no-nonsense wisdom on me. Here's the deal. As someone of mixed heritage, colorism has always lurked in the shadows of my life and relationships. And damn, it's hit my self-esteem like a ton of bricks. The icing on the cake? Oh well, it's also shaken up my love life like a jealous earthquake. So yeah, here I am needing some help. How do I untangle this messy web of colorism, self-esteem issues, and romantic drama? Specifically, I want to figure out how to keep those negative vibes from sinking my self-worth and jeopardizing my relationships with potential partners. I'm ready to kick colorism's butt and reclaim my life, but I need a game plan. Thanks, Brainwaves. Hey there, Sam from Denver. First of all, let me say it's great to have you on Straight Talk with Brainwaves. So you're dealing with the old triple threat of colorism, self-esteem, and romance, huh? Fear not, my friend, for I am here to help you untangle that gnarly web and kick colorism's butt, reclaiming all the life and love you deserve. Okay, let's get to the nitty-gritty. 
Colorism is a sneaky little monster that's been lurking around since, well, forever. It's one of those deeply rooted social prejudices that's entirely uncool, flat-out unfair, and frankly, needs to take a hike. But you don't need me to tell you that, Sam. You're experiencing it firsthand. So how do we zap this sucker into oblivion and rebuild your self-worth and love life? Step 1. Embrace your unique beauty. Look into the mirror and take in all that wonderful mix of heritage you've got going on. Your skin, flawless. Your eyes, smoldering. Sam, my friend, you are a tapestry of beauty enhanced by your mixed heritage, and no one, I repeat, no one should convince you otherwise. Own it. Love it. Flaunt it. And if anyone has a problem with it, boy, do they have some personal growth ahead of them. Step 2. Surround yourself with people who celebrate you for who you are. We need a strong support system. Friends, family, co-workers, significant others. There's no room in our lives for those who propagate colorism or try to drag us down. Find your tribe, those who uplift, encourage, and see you for the magnificent person you are. Their voices will help drown out any negativity you might encounter elsewhere. Step 3. Break the cycle. It's all about educating others and, by extension, the world about the damages of colorism. Start conversations, challenge perceptions, and kindly but firmly correct those who perpetuate harmful stereotypes. Your actions and words can make a difference. Someone has to stop the cycle, and why not start with you? Now, on to the juiciest part, the love life. When it comes to relationships, remember this. You are a catch. With your unique experiences, fierceness, and resilience gained from your mixed heritage. If someone can't see that, they don't deserve to be part of your romantic story. Don't let anyone turn your life into a soap opera with colorism as the plot twist. You're worth so much more. In conclusion, Sam, kick colorism's butt by embracing your identity, surrounding yourself with supportive people, and actively breaking the cycle of prejudice. Love yourself, live your truth, and before you know it, You'll find those who appreciate the amazing person you are worthy of an unapologetically colorful love story. And hey, you've got a whole legion of fellow Brainwaves podcast listeners cheering you on. Go get them, Sam. Hey, Brainwaves. This is Sarah from Boston. So, I've been volunteering for this local environmental activist group for a few months now. And initially, I was super excited about it because I'm super passionate about saving our planet. However, lately I've been noticing some, well, let's call them unethical practices among the leadership and some of the volunteers. These include taking credit for other people's work, spreading misinformation, and not-so-subtle power plays. I absolutely love the cause and the majority of the people I volunteer with, but these issues have left me conflicted. So here's my question. Is it worth sticking around and trying to address this extra spice within the group, or should I search for a cleaner plate somewhere else? Any advice on navigating this veggie stew of a situation would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Brainwaves. Hey, Sarah. First of all, big shout-out to you for dedicating your time and energy to making Mother Earth a better place. You go, girl. Now let's tackle this veggie stew of yours. It sounds like you found yourself in quite the ethical pickle. On one hand, we have the noble cause of saving our planet, and on the other, we have some not-so-noble individuals stirring up trouble. So what's a girl to do? Are you to be the eco-warrior the world needs, or embark on a journey to find cleaner plates? 
Here's the deal, Sarah. No group of people is ever perfect. Whether it's in activism, work, or friendships, there will always be some unexpected spice in the mix. The question is whether that spice enhances the experience or leaves a nasty burn. Before jumping ship, I'd suggest reaching out to the other volunteers who share your concern. See if there's a collective appetite for change. With others backing you, you may have a better chance of pushing back against these unethical practices. Another option is to have a candid chat with the group's leadership. Emphasis on the candid. Lay out your concerns, share how they're impacting your experience and motivation, and suggest remedies to the problems. The leadership may be entirely unaware of the situation and, fingers crossed, they might be willing to squash the bad behavior and clean up the stew. If, however, you find yourself in a pot that just refuses to simmer down, it's okay to walk away. You have a right to spend your time in a space where you can thrive and accomplish your goals without unnecessary drama. Before diving into an entirely new stew, do your research. Investigate other activist groups' accomplishments, values, and cultures to find one that will serve as the best stage for your eco-activism career. So, Sarah, give the current group a fighting chance. Rally the troops, talk to the leadership, and see if change can be made from within. If not, it's time to scour the market for a tastier, cleaner plate. Remember, activism is about fighting for what you believe in. And that includes creating a supportive, ethical environment where everyone can flourish. Sending you all the love, luck, and eco-friendly vibes. Keep fighting the good fight, Sarah. We're rooting for you. Well, folks, that marks the end of another episode of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and soaking up all the candid, no-nonsense advice I could muster. Remember, this show is nothing without your questions, so head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your own conundrums and vote on the ones you'd like to hear tackled in future episodes. Our little advice hub thrives on your curiosity and participation. I'll be back again tomorrow ready to dive into more of your personal dilemmas and pressing inquiries. Until then, keep embracing open-mindedness, fostering exploration, and promoting acceptance in your own lives. This is Brainwaves signing off. See you on the flip side, my advice-seeking comrades. 